2: Hello. This is part two of our lovely chat with Nadia Wittome, MP. Uh, I'm currently battling a hornet. Guess he's winning? But nobody's been hurt. So that's a good thing. Okay. Here it is. When people heckle you. Tell me more about that. It's so unacceptable.
3: Yeah, it was wild. Like the first, so when you first go into Parliament, you make, and you don't have to do it on your first day, but just the first speech you make is your maiden speech. And you talk about your constituency, you talk about what brought you here. So I spoke about all the amazing things in Nottingham, like some of them more serious and other things. Obviously I also spoke a lot about the the arts and the cultural scene in Nottingham like Shane Meadows, Young T and Bugsy, Great. the amazing activists who had built projects and networks over many decades in the city. And I said that I stand on the shoulders of those giants. But I also spoke about my generation and the the insecurity that our generation has been defined by. And why we're angry. We grew up under austerity and we want change Mm. on rampant inequality and poverty, on the climate crisis. So that's your, your first speech that you make. And I remember them heckling me and saying, oh, she's only just got here. It's like, yeah, I'm making my maiden speech. That's the point.
2: The establishment are so good at closing ranks and inventing reasons why you shouldn't step out of line. You know what I mean? Like, you've only just got here. It's like what's that got to do with anything? Why can't I just say what I want to say? I think it's so interesting when people come in and try to change the status quo. Like if the the establishment is very alive to that and very resourceful as to how to shoot people down, which means they know that that person is right for speaking out, right? You know, like they're, they're not blissfully unaware of the inequality. But do you sometimes feel like you're in the wrong place in some ways? Do you feel like it's harder to get things done maybe than if you weren't? an MP? I
3: think Parliament is an important part of our democracy. I don't think that every change that we need in society can be won through Parliament. Mm -hmm. But I think if you believe that anything at all can be changed through Parliament, which obviously it can, Mm. people's lives can be materially improved by laws made in Parliament. Then as activists, we also have to have to engage with that system. And that means some of us being MPs, it's not the most important job. It's just one of the jobs Mm -hmm. that will achieve change. But actually what really drives change and what has always won change through history has been movements of people coming together and forcing Parliament to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. But then you do actually need people in Parliament to link those things together.
2: That's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose you're now the second youngest person in Parliament, is that right? Yes. How do you feel about that?
3: Uh, I'm happy. <laughs> I, um, I've i just turned 27, Yeah. which I think is a hot age. And <laughs> it's not hot to be called baby of the house.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, you talked about growing up under austerity, which the AOC did as well. Um, and coming of age and actually maybe part of the issue not that it necessarily is an issue is that there's not many people from your peer group in the Houses of Parliament you know you're one of the first and then number two is what's his name?
3: Care Mother also an LGBT MP so we've had three LGBT babies of the House in a row
2: who was number one? Murray Black oh yeah yeah So all their
3: worst nightmares coming true <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're coming for us. And are there any like in amongst all of this pomp and ceremony and ridiculousness? Who are your friends? Like who are the who are the people we should know about and love? And
3: there are there are good people in there. And actually, I'd say people from across the party who are doing good things. One of my personal heroes is John McDonnell. Yeah. So John McDonnell was the shadow chancellor under Jeremy Corbyn so between 2015 and 2019 he's a member of the socialist campaign group which I'm also a member of and he's one of the real like stalwarts and mm. legends of the labor movement. Mm. We've done a bit of work together on um democracy in Hong Kong um because trade unionists like experiencing awful suppression there and young democracy activists yeah name a cause John Mack will be on it I really admire the way that he's used his position to just quietly be like doing the work Mm -hmm. you know getting people into parliament foster parents low-paid workers whenever there's an industrial dispute he's never missed a picket line he's always stood with people not when the light's been shining on him, but just because Mm. it's the right thing to do. And that's why it's important even even if things feel bleak to keep going through that time because like our time will come. Mm. It should have already come, but we will we'll make it. Yeah. But there are also other people, you know, people who paved the way for people like me to come into Parliament, like Diane Abbott, Mm. the first ever black woman. MP. There's a new generation of MPs like Clive Lewis, Bell Ribeiro Addy, Sana Begum, Olivia Blake. There are people who are traditionally sort of from the centre of the party, but are also doing good work. Like Angela Regal mm-hmm. has been working really hard on trans rights and sticking her head above the parapet and holding the government to account. That's great. But also like, Our own party when that needs to happen.
2: LGBT members of parliament across all the parties, like, is there solidarity between you all across party lines?
3: Yeah, I think there is. Obviously, we have, we'll have different views about how things should be implemented. Mm. And some of us see this struggle more broadly and some of us far more narrowly. Like, Queer rights aren't just an issue of individual liberties. It's about liberation. It's about improving services. For example, trans healthcare is broken, but so is the wider healthcare system. Mm-hmm. We need to fix that through more investment, public ownership, um, but not not undermining that principle of public ownership. Not all conservatives would agree with that. Yeah. But we, I think with the debate being so cruel and nasty it is easy to find mutual agreement and areas that we can work on together mm. because our whole community is being attacked so badly that we just have to agree this is bad mm. and we need to stop the government doing this
2: mm-hmm. but it's, it's quite the to-do list so we're, what we are we doing sitting here Um <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, we should get on it yeah
2: let's get on it we'll go grab a sandwich at Pret on the way Um but <laughs> I, what's
3: your favourite Pratt sandwich
2: do you know what I'm going to say something really controversial I don't think Pret sandwiches are very nice
3: no I don't think they are either I don't think they're worth what are they now like seven quid
2: are they seven pounds now I don't know I, I just I
3: actually just made that up I don't know
2: well <laughs> I bought a coffee today and it was I think it was four pounds twenty and this is this was not in Pratt because I, I won't drink that coffee because I don't think it's very nice either I don't know why I'm doing this this is why am I dragging Pret all of a sudden? But I, it, it would be a ham and cheese baguette. Okay. Because I'm lost. You know what I mean? So I'll just be like, oh, well, that would be fine. How about you?
3: I don't know. I don't like, I don't love cold food. Like oh. if I'm going to get something, I want it to be, I want it to be hot. So I'd usually go for the Greg's vegan sausage roll. Okay. Or um, oh, I forgot what it's called. There's another place that does like really nice vegan sausage rolls that's at train stations.
2: Oh, um,
3: like pasty. Upper crust. Yeah, upper crust. Fantastic. Yeah, pound.
2: I, lo- <laughs> I love upper crust. You don't like cold food, which I think is problematic <laughs> for someone who's... Why is
3: it problematic? For
2: someone For someone who you're busy, you're always on the run. Like.
3: Oh yeah, no, that is problematic to be fair, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and it does mean that sometimes I just forget that it's not in a almond mummy like I forget to eat kind of way but just like I didn't realize that time passed at this rate yes what was... <laughs>
2: <laughs> how are you rectifying that in your home life like what is home life like do you have a home life
3: yeah I do have um I'm really lucky to have beautiful people in my life my partner my friends um my closest friends are still like people I went to school with mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, my home life hasn't changed that much. Hold
1: up.
2: Will you just tell me the story of how you ended up as an MP? Because I know that obviously it was quick and it was a little unusual but I don't feel like I fully understand it. Um, so
3: the timeline. So in early 2019 the incumbent MP for Nottingham East defected to, do you remember Change UK? mm mm-hmm. um, The new party that few MPs from Labour and the Tories set up together.
2: Is that now gone? Yeah. Right.
3: Um, what, what was their mission? It, it was a group of MPs who weren't happy with their parties. Oh. Some of it was about Brexit, but then hmm. the biggest kind of anti-Brexit movement of MPs was from inside the Labour Party. But yeah, so in that was early 2019. And then... That meant that there was a vacancy for the Labour candidate in the next election, which wasn't expected to be for for a little while. Group of us activists who'd done lots of work on like migrants' rights and workers' rights kind of got together and thought, what do we want? What do we want from this? We we want someone who's gonna stand for repealing all the anti-union laws, someone who's going to stand for dismantling the hostile environment and for a Green New Deal. So we thought. We can get the other candidates to say stuff like that by standing ourselves, and you know, hopefully we'll win. But there wasn't actually an expectation that we would. We tried really hard to. It didn't just happen by accident, but it wasn't expected. Yeah. And then we did win, and the snap election was called the next day.
2: Mm-hmm. How does the snap election affect it? And Because that converts you to a member of parliament.
3: So when you're selected, you're elected by your local party to be yeah. the candidate. But usually that happens years in advance of a general election I see, I see, rather yeah. than one day in advance. Yeah. Obviously, we didn't know that the snap election would be called the next day.
2: And how did like your friends and family feel about this sudden transformation?
3: Oh, my friends thought it was so joke. <laughs> my friends thought it was funny my brother thought it was really weird so my brother's been living in Sydney since 2015 Hmm. he's 10 years older than me so he's always seen me as like baby like even when I was an older teenager he'd be like mum Nadia's got a lot of thoughts about stuff hasn't she (laughs) very yeah very chatty like yeah that's because I'm like a grown up person but anyway yeah he thought it was really odd my mum didn't think that I'd win the selection so she'd like prepared stuff like nice meal for me at home Aww. Netflix on for when I inevitably lost and then when I won she was like oh my god um I thought you'd lose I'm taking the dog out for a walk okay I'll, I'll bring the dog we'll both come
2: oh that's cute and yeah. then growing up queer when did you come out How did you come out you know what was that tell me about all of that
3: Came out late-ish, I guess. I always knew that I was queer, but I didn't come out until I was 20.
2: I I, I remember you saying, I identify as queer, but I'm happy if people call me bisexual. I suppose I'm, I'm thinking about like the way that the idea of coming out is, is dissolving in some areas. And actually, was it more like something that came to you when you were 20 or did you feel you had to define it or you didn't feel you had to define it and that's why it was a little bit later or...
3: I was watching something on TV with my mom. It was it was Ackley Bridge actually, which is like I love the Bridge. yeah, yeah. And it's got like the queer Asian girl in it. And I just said to my mom like, "Oh, that's what I am." She went, "Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I think lots of people probably are."
2: Were there any dramas within the family around you coming out or was it all fairly simple?
3: Um, I didn't really come out to the wider family in a formal way. I think basically I got elected and then they saw it in oh, right. in stuff like about a year in when the kind of the culture war against LGBT people had really ramped up and I was speaking about it more.
2: So that's one way and to come out. And then a bunch out, of my everybody. cousins have come
3: out now as well. So uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: All in it together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if anyone listening wants to come out, just get elected <laughs> as a member of parliament and then people just read about it.
3: I'm very lucky not to have had any problems mm. in my family. It's not the case for a lot of LGBT young people. Like the, the rates of homelessness among LGBT young people are disproportionate to straight counterparts. Mm. Um, and there needs to be a lot more, a lot more support for them.
2: And are there good things in place in Nottingham supporting there's, people? There's
3: really great stuff going on in Nottingham that people can access, but it's it's a postcode lottery for people, I think. We've got the LGBT network. There are like different, smaller trans and queer support groups and activism groups. But really, that kind of stuff should be available everywhere. Mm. And there should also be, I mean, for specific issues like um, mental health issues triggered by for example becoming homeless because your family didn't accept you or by homophobic violence towards you from within your family that should be provided for by the state people should be supported
1: Mm.
2: and it's not happening no
3: it's not happening for any any mental health condition the waiting lists are Years and years long, we get casework about it all the time, like young people and children who are very unwell and aren't able to access timely mental health support and sometimes that has fatal consequences.
2: I remember talking to someone about CBT, which is Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, Mm -hmm. which, you know, on the NHS, you can get 10 sessions for that if you um, are lucky enough to, you know, get on the waiting list, blah, blah, blah.
3: But people have complex lives that aren't going to be it's unpicked in six to eight sessions or 10 sessions or however many are available if yeah. if you're lucky enough to get them. But then there also needs to be wider change. Mm. So it doesn't just exist in a vacuum, does it, mental health? It's obviously going to be made worse by living in insecure housing, mm. having a low-paid job, what your terms and conditions, are are awful, um, your local community centre and your leisure centre shutting down, not having a youth group around anymore. All, all of those things impact our mental health. That's why we need to, yes, fund mental health care and invest in research and specialist therapies, but also fix the rest of society.
2: Mm. But do you have therapy? Do you wish you had? Like, I think growing up queer is a is a unique thing that needs... For me, needs addressing in a room.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was I was quite open about um, in 2021. I went on a leave of absence mm. from my job as an MP um, because I have post-traumatic stress disorder, which is completely unrelated to the job or anything that arose from being an MP. But I did need time to to recover obviously that's not just something that happens in three months. It's, mm. it's a life's work. But I was, I was fortunate to be able to take that time off. Most people, you know, say, for example, if, if you're only eligible for statutory sick pay, you're not going to be able to take time off, for, whether it's for mental health, for, for other health reasons. So that's something that needs to change. And in fact, the first thing that I did when I came back to work was ask Boris Johnson whether he would increase statutory sick pay to a real living wage, mm-hmm. he refused. Mm. But what I saw, and it it wasn't new to me, it's something that I'd witnessed growing up as well, is just how broken our mental health services were. So I was told that you, you obviously need specialist supports, but if you're going to get that on the NHS, it will take years. Mm-hmm. So if you can pay for it, then you should do that. And I was very lucky that while I haven't been in a position to be able to pay for that before, now I was an MP. Mm. I could do that. I didn't feel comfortable doing it because I, I don't believe in private healthcare, But I'm grateful that I was able to do that. But very angry that most people aren't.
2: So, Nadia, what's next for you? Would you like to one day run the party? No. Definitely not. Definitely not. And why is that?
3: Oh, it just it, it no, it just looks um no it's horrible.
2: What does your ideal future look like?
3: What I'm really focused on is being a really good constituency m mm-hmm. p Nottingham's the city where I've was born and bred, lived my whole life, still live now, and I want to be able to represent the the problems and concerns and ideas of my community mm. and I want to be able to do that well and I'm always learning. So I'm not I'm not in any rush to kind of be like yeah. What
2: well, you're doing all right so far. Can you <laughs> think of any of your favourite conversations you've had with constituents? You must have some big characters.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um I'm trying to think of stuff that would be appropriate for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> People can be really unfiltered. <laughs> In fact, some of the nicest conversations I've had have been at the Bodega, which is my favourite club in Nottingham. Yeah. Been going there since, well, let's say since I was 18. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, (laughs) let's. And um, it it used to be that like almost every week someone would come up to me and say, oh, I've had a problem like, it would range from with my bins to (laughs) with my my right to stay in this country right and you and your office have helped and that was always really nice I love that um, because then I could feed back on Monday morning when we'd have our team meetings like we'd always have like a um, standing item on the agenda like any bodega feedback
2: <laughs> <laughs> really yeah and talk me through the bodega what what what's uh big venue small venue what's the vibe it's a small venue okay. and it's
3: quite old like my mum used to go to the bodega when Stop it. she was my age it's like bar downstairs small club upstairs i don't I haven't been on many london nights out so i don't know i don't Just really know what the equivalent is There's
2: nowhere left <laughs> you got not yeah, go anywhere well, we're
3: also having like yeah especially like queer venues in nottingham it's a problem across the country isn't it but especially Mm. in london where rents are so high and then Mm. they can't afford to to stay in those premises
2: it's a real shame but then um what's the music in the bodega
3: different days slightly different music wednesdays is indie wednesdays I've never actually been to Indie Wednesdays. Thursdays used to be great. That was Gold Teeth. That was like hip hop. Great. Um, Fridays is Pop Confessional. Pop Confessional is my personal favorite. (laughs) It's um, like 90s, noughties trash. Great. And like a bit of 80s. And there's the DJ is also wearing a dog collar and he has a confessional booth. Oh, I love it. Um, And if you go and confess, then you get a free shot. And sometimes, like, if he thinks that your confession has been really outrageous, then you'll get two free shots.
2: Oh, my God. How many shots do you think you've had there in your entire
1: life?
3: Oh, uh, too many to count. <laughs> <laughs> he, once, he once actually gave me, which I thought was very generous, two free shots for um, I'm Catholic, but I've never been to confession.
1: Oh,
2: I like it. Because he's also
3: Catholic. <laughs>
2: This has been wonderful, thank you so much. We'll let you go back to doing all the good work you do. That's the end of our chat. The wasp is back. I think he's come to say goodbye. He's not a wasp, he's a hornet. Hello. Um, That's a great chat. I really loved it. I'm just gonna throw it out there. I think Nadia was being a little coy when we asked about being leader of the Labour Party. I think I said run the Labour Party when I asked her. I'm not quite sure why I said that, like it's sort of some kind of rowing club. Um, anyway uh, I think she's going to be in charge I really do I hope she is and uh, yeah let us know what you thought of that hello at homosapienspodcast.com at sapiens on Instagram uh, there's Facebook as well and this has been delightful from me and the Hornet we stuck it out together in her relative harmony you stay up there mate. buzzing in the window he or she or they he, she or they uh, very happy. Thanks for being wonderful. To our for now, everybody. Bye bye.